Sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's our very special guest from the Lionsgate Network and Troy Marshall Ministries, Pastor Troy Marshall. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. Come on. Stay standing with me. Let's pray together. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this great church. We thank you through all this rain and everything. You know, people didn't come out here to hear another sermon or hear a man, but they came here to hear your voice. So, Father, I pray, help me get out of the way. And, Lord, let me be a vessel that you can pour your spirit through today to penetrate the hearts of men with words from heaven, God. Lord, we thank you that you are here, uh, not just as a normal Sunday, God, but this is a Sunday you've ordained to shift the lives of people into a new dimension and to move forward in destiny and purpose, God. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you will give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to perceive what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing. Lord, help all of us to hear the voice within the voice. And, Lord, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our lives, Lord. We thank you for changing mindsets today and shifting focus, God, and rearranging priorities. And, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing with us, and we give you the glory absolutely. We then take, keep none for ourselves. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Come on, give God a good clap in here now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. All right, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Your pastor is one of my dearest, oldest friends. We met in the eighth grade. Come on. Amen. In a PE class, playing tennis together. Hallelujah. And uh, I think neither one of our lives have ever been the same since then. And uh, he's true. He's, uh, he never lets me forget. He's he brought me to Christ. Come on. Amen. <laughs> None of this would be possible without him. Amen. And so uh, this is a great story. He came into, we used to work together on a little blockbuster video. And uh, I remember he came in one night with his hair was wet in the back. And, and I was like, what you been doing? He goes, oh, I got baptized. And I was like, baptized? I got baptized when I was four years old over here at Shiloh Arms. Come on, amen. Baptist church. And, and I thought, this is weird. But he's like, well, come with me. And so I came to church with him. And I just assumed we were going there to pick up girls. I and he set us in the front row, and I'm like, we can't see no girls from here. What are doing? And so there's a man that was up preaching, and God was so using him uh, to, to speak into my life that I literally turned to your pastor, and I said, bro, it's not cool that you told this guy all these things about me. And he said, I've never seen this guy before. And I thought, oh, my God, God is speaking to me. 
And uh, I remember we didn't know you could just get saved without you had to wait for the altar call. And so I had to wait a week to come back because the guy goes, come back for part two. And I thought that was the worst week of my life, man. I just didn't want to die and go to hell. <laughs> I was very careful. Was, didn't come out of my bedroom. <laughs> Drove in the slow lane to work every day. And, and that Wednesday came and I remember I was the first guy in the room. They were still putting out the chairs and I was just waiting for that moment where he said, if there's someone that wants to receive Christ. And, and finally he said it. The surgeon was like, this is it. And I remember I walked up and I grabbed the preacher's hand and kneeled down. And I just started to weep. And I remember the preacher was like, you know, is there anybody else? You know, was, <laughs> black kid was crying his eyes out there in the, in the pulpit. But let me just tell you this. The Lord got a hold of me that day. And I didn't just become uh, converted to Christianity. Uh, I became uh, a different person. And I never went back, not once, in the last 35 years as a believer. I never once turned back. And God transformed my life that day and uh, took us all over the world to preach the gospel. And I'm forever grateful for your pastor just inviting me to church. You have no idea the power of that invitation and, and what it can do to change the world of you just inviting one coworker, one neighbor to come to church with you today. Don't forget that. Come on, amen. Yeah. 80% of people would come to church if someone just asked them. Keep that in your hat. Come on, amen. And, uh, and I always feel privileged to be here. I'm not just another speaker. This is like my church. Come on, amen. Like I'm, I'm not just a guy coming through and then a link in the chain. Come on, I'm coming to bring a, a revelation, a brick to help build this house uh, this is our family. We, we pray for you guys. We consistently give and, and pour and everything we can do to help and join with. And uh, your pastor's been with us all over the nation. I hope we come some more. Come, come to Mongolia. Both of y'all got to come to Mongolia. And uh, I'm one of the few people that goes to Mongolia. Uh, it's a, a very closed nation. Uh, the, uh, it's the coldest place in the world. It's negative 41 in the wintertime. Uh, which I go in the winter. Come on, amen. And uh, yeah, negative 41. Yeah, and I'm black from South Sac. Hallelujah. <laughs> Nobody in here has an excuse not to go to the mission field. Come on. If I can do it, you can do it. Amen. And uh, But we're privileged what God has allowed us to do there. And, uh, you know, people don't have a Bible. You know, the, there was one guy selling Bibles in Mongolia, and he was charging $25, which is a week's salary for a believer over there. And so I go into a church service like this, and most of us have 14 on our phone. And many people sit there with just a notebook trying to write down scriptures because they didn't have a Bible to go home with. And I, I saw this, and all my church, our churches there, and I thought, someone's got to do something about this. And so we, we've been printing and, and, and distributing uh, so far about 25,000 Bibles into the hands of believers there. We try to do about between six and 10,000 every year. And we give them out. We don't charge anything uh, for those. And we partner with the Bible Society uh, to print those in China, of all places. Come on, amen. And send them in. And uh, it's been a great blessing to see the believers. You know, to see the look on their faces when they receive a Bible. It's like Christmas Day. Come on. And we take it for granted, you know. We take ours, throw it in the back seat after church and maybe don't pick it up. But these guys walk around like it's pure gold. And uh, it's a great privilege and honor to be used by God in that nation. Now, listen, 
Today, I want to get into something with you that I don't normally do unless I'm in a church like this where I feel like I, I'm, you know, we're part of this house. But I'm going to take you into my private devotions, which is, you know, uh, these are not sermons. Come on, this is what God is speaking to me right now. And it may or may not become a sermon, but it's a sermon for y'all today. Amen. And uh, because I really believe that God is doing something, I want to release it to you today. So go with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 51. And my sister's here, my twin sister, Tracy. Come on, stand up. I want to honor her. Come on, amen. Amen. She was also praying for me. I was mad as heck. Come on, stop praying for me. As a teenager, she came to the Lord in high school. Hallelujah. And so John chapter 1, verse 51, it said this. And he said unto them, come on, y'all there? Amen. All right, get your Bibles out now. Come on. And John said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter, this is Jesus speaking, Hereafter you shall see heaven open. How many people want to open heaven? Hallelujah. Heaven open and the angels of God. Now be careful with this word angels. Because many times when we see this word in scriptures, we think it's, you know, angels with wings and, and you know, messengers, but the word angel means just a message bearer. Someone who, the angelos is someone that just brings a message. And so we think angels are coming from heaven, but angelos is all of us. We're to carry the message. And Jesus says there's a shift in this scripture. He prophesies a shift. He says from now on, it's not going to just be angel, angelic hosts bringing messages, but the heavens are open that you as a believer can access the kingdom, access heaven, get a message from God, and bring it to the people. And it says that you'll see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That means that God has a plan for your life to turn your life into a message and then make you a messenger. Now, if you don't understand that God is shaping you and molding you into a messenger, then you won't understand the different things you have to go through to be the message bearer. Because that's what God is doing. He is preparing a people to bear his message. And this is why we have to be very careful about what we're grandstanding and talking about. Because the message is important, but also we have been in this culture, if you're not paying attention, look around. They have dismissed us as Christians in this culture, and the message has been tainted because we have not been bringing the right message. We've aligned ourselves with political parties, and we're bringing their message. And so many times we're disqualified in the eyes of people because we've aligned ourselves with one political party, and now we are grandstanding their message online every single chance we get. You need to be careful about this. The church in America has given up on the power of God to change the world. 
It is the church that is called to change the world. And we have opted not for the power of God, but for political power to change the world. We think the policies of men and the policies of government can shift the hearts of individuals. They have no power to do that. You must uncouple yourself from this idea that change will only come through politics. It is the church, it is the angelos bringing the message of Christ that will shift the balance of power back towards the kingdom of God. Be careful with this. I was in my hotel room over in Mongolia uh, when the midterm elections were going on. Of course, I want change and I'm, 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 I'm not part of any political party, but I want change and I was sitting there and I was getting frustrated a little bit because I thought, oh my God, I thought we'd win that and win that. And I was starting to get a little bit angry in my heart and the Lord was like, what are you angry for? Do you have faith in this? Here I am in another nation trying to win souls. I, care, I can't even tell you anything about the politics of that nation outside of we have a good relationship with the president of our nation because he's, he's a former member of one of our churches. And I'm, I'm, but I'm laser focused on the things here and the message coming from the television. But not the message of Christ. And this is our calling to be the Angelos. And we are grandstanding all these different causes and all these different things. Because we really do believe, if we're not careful, that these are the things that will shift our society back towards God. Get rid of that idea. The angelos of God, the messengers of God, is what will change this nation. I was in the, 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 we get confused about these words, and the word apostolos is another word, where we get the word apostle. An apostle, we think, is some guy, you know, has a bunch of churches underneath him that stands in the office of the apostle. And yes, it's that, but it's also just another messenger. The word apostolos means messenger. And so I was in Greece, and I was sitting at this little cafe, and then this truck pulled up, and it was obviously some guy delivering, like, mail and stuff. And so I asked the guy who was with me, my guide, I said, what does this word mean? What's this truck, apostolos? He goes, oh, uh, that's the mailman. Delivering messages. And I thought, that's the word apostle. He goes, yes, Pastor Troy, it's the same word for apostle. is mailman. Someone who takes a message and delivers the message. Hallelujah. And so God is concerned about not just the message, but the messengers. Because your life, how you live, what you do, can disqualify the message. Come on, we've seen this. When we see things like when we, we, people that are doing great things for God and then they, they never allow the Lord to work in their heart, in their character. But they were laser focused on their gifting. And though so they have an overdeveloped gift and, and they're laser focused on things, but they never took a time to allow the messenger to be formed, but they had a message. And this is what the scripture says, that Jesus said to them, you were prophesied in my name, 
You've cast out devils in my name. Come on, amen. But then depart from me. I never knew you. This is our testimony. This is what the finish line is for us. John chapter 14, verse 9. Jesus says this. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That is our finish line. If you're wondering what is the ultimate goal of your Christianity, it is to be a perfect representation of your Father here in the earth. That would be a nice tattoo. Come on. Well, tat, tat something, tat that. Come on, put it on your neck. Come on, amen. Seeing me, you've seen the Father. That is the highest calling for us as believers, is to be a perfect representation of our Father's heart and our nature and his character here in the earth. Not prophesy, not cast out, not move in the spirit, not even build great churches but to be a perfect representation of him. If you don't understand it, if I don't understand that, we will never understand the trials and the temptations that come to your life because they are meant for one thing, to mold and shape you into the image of Christ. Now listen to this, Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. He says, my little children, this is Paul speaking, my little children of whom I travail in birth, again, until Christ be formed in you. Now, the other verse says, and Paul prays that, that I pray that Christ will be formed in you, that you, are, you would preach him. Not from understanding, but because he is in you and you've allowed him to take the time to form you. And now it's not your message that is just preaching, but it's your life as a messenger that preaches. And that travail, the travail of the Lord is confusing many times to us because God will work in your life, sifting through the nonsense and the things and the ideas that we so quickly adapt and adopt and that he will begin to remove them from us and he'll begin to deal with us because he wants us to be like him. But when suffering hits our life and when we have to walk through things and things become difficult for us, if we don't operate as a church or believers with this understanding, we think stuff is happening to us and not for us. Oh, come on now. It's tight, but it's right. Lost all my amens in this Baptist church. Come on now. Thought I was in Elevate Life, y'all. Come on. This is what Romans says. If we want to be joint heirs of your children, then verse 8, Romans 8, 17. If we're joint heirs or heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, that we suffer with him. That we might also be glorified with him. And sufferings, Paul says, of this present time are not comparable to the glory that we shall receive. The maturity, the Christ-likeness, you cannot compare it. But the issue we have is we really have thought that there is another pathway to maturity as believers beyond suffering. 
We suffer in such a low level. Come on, amen. Remember I was on an international flight one time, and they gave me a seat that didn't recline all the way. My goodness, you would have thought that I was going through the second crucifixion. I said, you can't expect me to fly across the world with a seat that doesn't go back. I'm on, a, I'm on a tube in the sky. Come on, amen. I would have had to take a ship over there. Not even 50 years ago. Come on, amen. And now, seat doesn't go back. Jesus, be with me. What are we going to say about our present sufferings when we meet Christ and he shows us the nail scars in our hands? How can we compare? With the, how can we say we know the Lord and we don't know the fellowship the word of God says of his sufferings? And so God is conforming us. Listen to this. Let's go a little deeper into Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. Listen to this. It's going to knock your hat in the water. He says, for whom the Lord did foreknow, he also did predestine. Now listen, if you're Calvinist in here and you have that nonsense theology, come on. It says, oh, God owns only choosing certain people to be saved. So if you witness to someone and they don't receive it, that's because they aren't part of the chosen. That's nonsense. And it's nonsense because it negates the heart of the Father. Because God didn't predestine us for salvation. He predestined us to be sons and daughters. Every one of us. He wasn't trying to save souls. He's trying to build a family. And when your thinking shifts to a family outside of just coming to church, then you won't be so easily offended by every little thing you don't like because this is your family. He destined us to be part of the family of God, to be conformed to the image of his son, that we might be the firstborn. And that word firstborn just means prototype. You know, when they make a car, they make the first one, and all the other cars may not quite look exactly like that, but it's going to look like that. That's what they base everything on. And so you are supposed to be the prototype of what God is doing here on the earth. Moreover, whom he did predestine, he also called. And who he called, he also justified. And who he justified, he glorified. Now, this is what we do as believers. We are laser-focused on our calling. There's classes on it. There's books about finding your calling. I've asked all the time when I go to churches in, all over the world, really. Pastor Troy, can you pray for me? I need to know what my calling is. Can you help me to find my calling? What am I called to do, Pastor Troy? I feel lost and I don't know what to do with my life. What is God's calling on my life? And they're asking the wrong question because you can fulfill calling and miss your destiny. People do it all the time. They are laser-focused on becoming a great preacher or becoming a great business person. And all the stuff online is about your calling. Find your purpose. And they have confused calling with destiny. Calling is what you're called to do. Destiny is what you're called to become. And your destiny is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's... What God is working on. He is working on your destiny. Hallelujah. 
Being conformed to the image is, there's a standard for what it means to be an Angelos, to be like Christ. Let's say I went down here to the Home Depot, right? And I wanted to build a house. And I just went into the house, Home Depot lumber area. And I said, Leah, I want uh, some eight-foot beams. And I want some, you know, some planks, some two-by-fours. And I need them about six, eight feet. And, I, you know, can you get those for me? And the lumber guy went back there and he cut some wood down for me. And he brought it out. And I'm looking at it. And I say, is this eight feet or is this six feet? And he goes... I just feel like it's six feet. Well, the Lord told me it's eight feet. I feel it. And this is the, the way we conform many times. We feel like we're doing a great job in loving people. Being kind. Because it's the, we're being conformed to our image. Imagine what that house would look like if I based it on feelings. I just feel like it's six feet. I mean, I know it might be not be that, but I feel it. And this is what I see all the time when people are in trouble. They're asking for prayer. They say, Pastor Troy, I'm a good Christian. And I say, well, what makes you a good Christian? I tithe. I come to church. I read my Bible. I go to Bible study. I serve. And I'm like, that's your standard. You made that up. But God is trying to take you into something much, much deeper. Bringing you to a place where if I've seen you, I've seen the Father. And many times we stop short because there's tremendous suffering to come into a place of being like Christ. I want you to imagine for a minute the conversation that went on in heaven when Jesus was being sent. Before the foundation of the world, the word of God says, God ordained for him to come and die on the cross. Can you imagine the conversation? This is the maker of the universe, the word of God says. There is nothing that was made that wasn't made by Jesus. He is the son of the living God. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. And God has a conversation with him saying, I'm going to need you to go down and be born as a baby in a manger. And for the first time, I want you to experience the pain of what it's like to be hungry and not be able to feed yourself. To be a baby that can't speak, can only cry when they need something. I need you to know what it's like to fall down and skin your knee and experience physical pain because the people you're trying to lead need to know you care about that. I need you to know what it's like to be betrayed and be misunderstood so that when people pray, you'll understand exactly what they mean when they say, Lord, I feel abandoned, I feel rejected. And so he could have just appeared. Did you guys not know that? He didn't have to go through all of that. He could have just showed up, started doing miracles, and everyone would say, who is this guy? Where did he come from? They said that anyway. But because of this, oh, that's a good sign. (laughs) 
Because of this, the Bible says we have a messenger that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And that's what God is doing. Now let's go a little further. Now listen to this. We mix up calling and destiny, and so we focus in on our calling and we negate our destiny. So when God brings trials and temptations into our life, we don't understand why he's doing it. What is going on? And so we begin to question his goodness. We begin to question his kindness. We begin to question his mercy. When it is all those things that God is trying to bring up into your character at the same time. So we look at the life of Peter. And this is what went on. Peter, uh, at the, it, right before Christ leaves, in Luke chapter 22, verse 31. If you got that, put that up for me now. And this is what it says. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. Now, this is what we believe the next scripture should say. But Jesus said, no. I'm going to protect you because I love you. And I will not allow anything to come into your life that is not blessing, blessing, blessing. Is that what it says? He said, but no, I'm standing up for you and I will not allow it. Or does it say, Jesus says, I'm praying for you. That your faith in your Father in heaven would not fail. But we think that God is going to intervene into every situation when we have difficulties and that understanding that God is not the author of your pain or your problems, but many times he is allowing things to go through our life because this is only one pathway to your maturity. There's only one way for you to get rid of your funky attitude. You've got to be dealt with as a son or a daughter. Now listen. I want to read one scripture to Hebrews chapter 12. How many people believe the Lord loves them in this room? Come on, let me see your hands. Come on. Yeah, yeah, everybody here. Here's what the Bible says. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And scourges because he loves you. He chastens and he scourges you because he receives you as a son. He treats you as a son. Now, have you ever been in a store or somewhere public and you see a child wilding out? Come on, amen. Knocking stuff off the shelves, running around wreaking havoc. You're not even a parent. You, your reaction to that kid is, where's that kid's mama? You know why you get upset? Because you are a person of love. And you know instinctively that an undisciplined child is an unloved child. And so the Lord loves you too much not to bring the dealings of God into your life. He loves you too much to let you keep thinking 
that everything's just going to be okay, that you don't have to transform your life and your thinking to be an Angelos for him. So the Lord deals with us as sons and daughters. Listen, the level of your sifting, your trial, your, your dealings is equal to the level of the destiny you're about to come into. It is intentional. And if you understand it's intentional, you will stop looking for answers to questions that you shouldn't have anymore. Why is this happening? What is going on? What is the Lord trying to do? He is trying to bring you into destiny. And he will use every one of your bad decisions, every one of my shortcomings. Come on, amen. He will use every situation. He will use your marriage. He will use your kids. He will use your boss down there. He will use every situation he can to bring you into destiny. Maturity is what God is after in us, not blessing. You must understand this because people don't understand that the glory of God is the nature and the character of God being birthed into our life. So for so long in the kingdom of God, we have thought that money is the highest blessing. Come on, amen? And guys have held that up. Look at how blessed I am. God must be with me. I must be mature because I'm able to manifest great wealth. And I'm able to get a house like this and a car like this because I'm so mature and so at another level and get up here on my level and do what I'm doing. And they never talk to you once about suffering. Talk to you about that offering, though. And it's created in us as in the kingdom of God a very warped idea about the sufferings of Christ when we are walking through them. You know, we have these two really bad things that's in our theology about suffering. Number one, if something's going wrong in our life, it's because we've done something wrong. Come on, amen? So what do we start doing? We start repenting for everything. Lord, I repent that I was five minutes late for church. I repent, Lord, that I... I I, my dive is two days late, Lord. That's why the devil's coming after me, because two days. I didn't have my, my credit card with, with a payment time. God, forgive me. And we are, in, we are in a frenzy of trying to find out what, where we open the door for the enemy to kin to our life. And we're closing every door, renouncing, breaking agreement with every defiled demon spirit. And y'all living good. You living right? But for some reason in our theology, when trouble comes, we don't know the purpose of it. It's maturity. It's God perfecting the angelos, the messengers, because he's about to bring a message through you. It changed the world around you. The second thing is we think that God is displeased with us when suffering comes. Like we... Uh, have done something to offend him. We're not praying enough. We're not giving enough. And this is God's way of getting our attention, getting us back into shape, 
because somehow he's displeased with our behavior on some level. We don't know why, but it's something. And so we just get more, more holy. Hallelujah. But we never understand that the, the trial is not going away no matter how much you repent because it's not about repentance. It's about you understanding that you've got to walk this out. The transformation for our life is in the journey. It's not in the moment. Now listen, I know what y'all thinking, but Pastor Troy, I've been through the Bible study on maturity. Come on, amen. I've been to Bible school. I've been to this. And, and listen, many of us are well-educated, well beyond our level of obedience. It means we know stuff that we don't do. And we are so educated more than any other part of the kingdom of God. There are believers in Mongolia that unbelievers here know more about the Bible than they do. And we see it that we are educated. This is why God uses us the most of any church in the world is the American church. We send more missionaries. We produce more Christian materials. We do more than any other church in any part of the world because we have a deluge of information. But the transformation is not in the information. The Bible says that in, in John chapter 1, that the word became flesh to dwell among us. That means that the information that you've received, the teachings, the Bible study, the Bible school you went through, all the stuff that you've read and saw on TV and on, online and everything you've received, all the courses you went through, all the Sunday powerful sermons you received from your pastors here, and everything that you've received, God has to turn that from information and revelation into who you are so that it can dwell amongst the people. If not, it's just information. And I was getting a haircut one time. Stop it now. Good Lord, y'all are ruthless in here. Calm down. I get haircuts. Come on. Y'all like, really? Yes. I was getting a haircut. True story. Amen. And my barber at the time, he was asking me all these questions because he knew I was a pastor. And, uh, and, and he's asking me questions. And I'm taking all my theological training, and I'm knocking back every one of his questions. I'm knocking them down. Why is there suffering in the world? Why does God let this happen, Troy? Why is this going on? And I was just using my theology and saying, well, here's what the Word of God says, and here's this. And at the end of all that conversation, I felt like, okay, I've answered every one of your questions, and I've done everything, and I've knocked back every argument. And the guy turned to me, and he says, you got an effing answer for everything, don't you? And I was taken aback. Because what he was wanting was not answers to questions, but he was wanting the heart of the Father. And I was there to argue. I was there to knock back questions and tell people why they're wrong. Come on, amen. And I had missed this opportunity to minister the love of God. I was so laser focused on answering questions that I didn't know the real question that every person has is, does God know that I'm alive and does he care? Yeah. 
my heart wasn't prepared to be a messenger. Come on, amen. I was educated. I knew the word. Come on, amen. But I, didn't ever, I wasn't allowing God's kindness and the reservoir of compassion that is needed and the kindness. Moses said to God, show me who you are. And what was God's response? He didn't respond with thunder and lightning. He responded by saying, out of a cloud, I am the Lord, the Lord God, full of kindness, full of mercy, long-suffering. Come on, amen. And so we don't understand that part of what we're trying to do as believers is God is working. He's conforming us to the standard of Christ. And there is only one avenue for that to happen in your life. Please wake up. Look up here at my nice black face. I'm going to help you right now. It is not a Bible study. Those will help you to understand. But it is walking out difficult situations in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace, the conflicts that all of us want to avoid with all of our hearts. And all we want is rescue, rescue, rescue. Miracle, miracle, miracle. God, do a miracle and deliver me out of this. You know, Jesus walked on water. Did you know that? Amen. But you only only did it once. The rest of the time, he got in a boat and crossed the water. Why? Because God doesn't want you to live a life of miracles. He wants to build you a boat. Come on, amen. So you can keep crossing all the time. And you don't need to see him walking on water to know that he's alive and he's real. Because you've got the understanding that you have a father that will take care and bring you to the other side of everything you're in. He wants to build you a boat. We don't want a boat. We want a miracle. And so we have crisis because a miracle is God intervening into a crisis situation. Stop praying for miracles. Amen. The sifting of God is equal to the degree. So, you know, Peter, listen to this. He was going to be the first pastor of the first church. The first real messenger. Come on, amen. And so when the devil came and asked to sift him, God was like, Peter, you got the message, but as a messenger, you're not ready yet. So the siftings, the travail of God. Little children, Paul said, I travail over you until Christ be formed in you. This is God's working in our life. And if we stop pressing against it and we begin to embrace it and we stop being angry at him and we start stop questioning his goodness and we stop asking the wrong questions about why is this happening and begin to have in our understanding that God is raising us up to be mature sons and daughters. That's why you're going through this. If there was another way, he would have given it to us. So what is the challenge for us to know him in the power of his resurrection, but also in the fellowship of his sufferings? You'll never know the Lord and you will never be like him until you are able to walk through things and understand that God will carry you through and change your life at the same time.
This is about life change. Come on, amen. And the quicker we submit to that, the better off we're going to be. Well, let me tell you this quick story as we close here. When I was in Bible school, we were pastor me. We went to a conference. You remember it was in San Jose, and they were doing this thing with presbytery, which is prophetic ministry, right? And at the time, I was praying. I was about to go to Bible school, and I was just praying to God to, to move in my life. And, and I remember the prophet, you know, pulled me out, and they would put you in a chair, and they prophesied over you, three of them. And I was so powerful. I was like, good Lord. And this guy came, and he said, this man of God, this prophet of God, he said, uh, you've been praying and, uh, to God to make you wise. And God says to you today, you're going to be as wise as you've ever wanted to be. You're going to be as powerful as you've ever wanted to be, and you're going to be as anointed as you've ever wanted to be. And I thought, hallelujah. Because I was praying for all of that, y'all. I was like, Lord, I want to be carry your power into the nations, and I want, to, I want to be a mighty man of God and preach this gospel ha, all over the world. And I was praying for the wisdom and the power. I just read a book on wisdom from Larry Lee, remember? And I thought, good Lord, I want me some of that. And I was like, God, please bring that into my life. And I was praying, and here come the prophet of God. And I remember I wrote that down. I was something. I came out of that meeting, and I remember I was walking around. My friends were there, and I was like, <laughs> the Lord has spoken. I had no idea what was coming next. And I went to Bible school and I was brought on staff and worked for the president of the Bible school. And my good, this man suffered no foolishness, demanded excellence. And I was in trouble all the time. I was forgetting things and I was, I was just messing up. And I thought any day I'm going to get fired because I was making so many mistakes. And I was doing, I was, I was miserable at the time. I remember people were, other students were going out to meetings, getting hand laid on them. And I, he coming to me, go, hey, uh, I need you to shine all the shoes in my closet. He had like 26 pairs. And I was like, which one? He's like, all of them. So there I am, buffing shoes. And they coming back from the Benny Hinn meeting. Oh, he prayed for all of us. And I'm like, Lord, what is this? And I remember I was so broken up inside. I was in my room, laying on the carpet, just praying, but I was really complaining. Come on, amen? And you know how we do it when we're in trouble? We start quoting scriptures that God wrote back to him as if you don't know what they are. God, I respectfully remind you of your promise to me. Come on, you know how we do it. We don't want to seem... But we're really just complaining, hoping the Lord sees our tears and our cry and he does something out of pity because we're so miserable. And I remember the Holy Spirit directed me to that notebook that I wrote that down in. And I remember I opened the notebook and I read it and I was like, good Lord, how, I got even more angry. Like, what is this? And what the Holy Spirit spoke to me completely shifted my life. It's carried me to this day honestly say it was a great revelation that changed my life forever and this is the revelation this is what he told me he said I said Lord this is you said I'd be wise I don't feel un, I feel the most unwise I've ever felt you said I'd be powerful I, said, I feel so powerless you said I'd be anointed that's the ability of God I said I don't feel I feel 
like I have no ability. I'm just, I'm failing at everything. And the Lord spoke to me this. He says, Pastor Troy, he said, Troy, he goes, uh, you can't come into my wisdom until you come to the end of yours. And I thought I knew everything. You can't come into my power until you come to the end of your power. You can't come into my ability until you come to the end of what you're able to do. And it was at that moment I learned how to surrender to God. I learned a great lesson of humility and understanding that what I was going through was molding me into the image of Christ. That it wasn't enough for me just to be a believer with a lot of information. It wasn't enough for me to go to church. That God was after something. He was trying to turn me into an angelos that would go to 53 nations of the world. That would change lives all over the world. When I was 21 years old, I had no idea what God was doing or what he was going to do with my life. I drove around Sacramento and I thought, I'm from here. I'm a guy from Power End over here. Come on, amen. Went to Valley High School, met Rudder. I, 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 there's no reason on paper that I should be doing what I'm doing. It's because the Angelos, God turned me and is still doing it into a message bearer for him. An apostolos. This is what the work is going on in your life right now. You think it's about blessing, 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 but you don't understand the greatest blessing that you're ever going to walk in is going to come through your maturity as a believer. You don't give a keys to a Bentley to a five-year-old or to a teenager. Come on, unless you're crazy. No, they must mature before they can begin to walk in the greater inheritance. Come on, amen. Wherever the trial is in your life, wherever the thing that's going, maybe in marriage, in your relationships, maybe it's in your money, maybe it's in your self-esteem, what maybe it's in an area with your children, whatever may be going on, that is the area that God is using to bring you into a place of being more like Him. So it's not your husband's fault or your wife's fault. It's not your kids. It's God. Hallelujah. So we forgive them and we release them. It's not uh, Biden. It's not the economy. Because we are above that. You forgot. But we are above that. We ride on the waves. Come on. We don't go up and down with the waves. It's God. And how we respond to that adversity, to that conflict, is everything for the Lord. And this is a time where the church of God, we cannot be relying on five steps to overcome our anxiety and not dealing with where the anxiety comes from is that we will not surrender control. And so it has produced massive anxiety in our life because everything's out of control. God's coming to deal with us as a church because he loves us. Come on, amen. 
Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store and you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.